the scripture reading for today comes from the book of Psalms, the 46th chapter of Psalms. God is our refuge and strength, a very presence, a very help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city, and it shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know about for you, but our musicians are giving me life right now. Thank you for that, Christy, for everyone who's come to sing and to lead uh, in these online-only days. I want you to think for a moment with me about what it feels like to find refuge. What does it feel like to find refuge? To consider that, I think we have to know what it feels like to be without refuge, to be lost somehow, or in danger, or scared. Because refuge means safety, right? It means protection. Think about animals that go to an animal refuge. They're no longer in danger, they're no longer under threat from poachers or abusers or whatever else might be out to get them. They're safe, they're cared for, they know they're gonna be okay. That's what refuge means. So what does it feel like to find refuge? I think about a feeling that I had once when I got lost on a camping trip in the dark. Sorry, Rebecca, it's like two of your childhood fears, lost and dark. Watch out, hold on tight to Fufu while I tell this story. <laughs> I, she did, she grabbed Fufu, you can't see her, but she did. I was at Smith Rock State Park, which is in Central Oregon. I was there with some good friends. We were gonna hike, we were gonna rock climb. Turns out I'm pretty bad at rock climbing, but we had fun anyway. Now, Smith Rock is a kind of unusual campground in that the place to pitch your tent is basically just a big open field, a big grassy meadow, scrub brush, a few trees there. It's separated away from the parking lot and from the picnic area and the bathrooms, and you are not allowed to have a fire anywhere near your tent. You have to do that uh, in the parking lot or near the picnic area. There aren't even really marked sites actually for your tent there. You just kind of find a place that looks flat and looks good and pitch your tent and that's where you sleep. Well, my friends and I had picked this spot a few minutes walk from the parking lot out of sight back behind a tree or two 
just as isolated as we could possibly find in this odd campground. And it was evening, late at night actually, the sun had set. There was next to no moon that night and we were all getting ready for bed. I decided that I would make one last trip to the campground bathroom before going to sleep. Now, I had gone between the tent and the bathroom a couple times before the sun set, uh, but somehow in the dark, I got, got out of the tent, put on my headlamp, and I started toward the bathroom. I thought. I thought. It wasn't very long before I figured out that I had turned the wrong way and wandered off course. Before I knew it, I was in the middle of a clearing with not a single landmark that I could determine. I turned and I walked a few steps and I thought, uh, this is the wrong way. So I turned and I walked a few more steps. Uh, no, this is probably the wrong way too. So I turned and I turned and I turned and I realized I had no idea where I was. I had no idea where I had come from anymore. I was completely disoriented in the dark. I couldn't see my own tent. I couldn't see the parking lot. I couldn't see the bathroom. All I could see was my little square of light illuminated by my headlamp. I was alone, alone. Remember I said this was a big open field sort of thing that the campground was in, so there was no path to guide me. And I knew that if I walked too far in the wrong direction, I could wind up in the middle of nowhere. And panic began to stir in my gut. And I said to myself, Amy, it will do no good to panic. Calm down. Be rational. That didn't really stop the panic, <laughs> I have to tell you. I had no idea where I was. I couldn't see any lights. I was stuck, completely lost in the dark. Let me tell you, that is a bad feeling. I took a few deep breaths. And I took a few more steps in what I thought was the right direction, and all of a sudden I saw the glow of another tent off in the distance. So I approached and I asked pitifully, could you help me find the restroom? Point me in that direction and bless their hearts, they walked me all the way there. <laughs> I must have looked so ashen when I got to their tent. Once I was at the bathroom, I had my bearings and I could find my way back to my own tent. And when I finally made it back to the warmth and the coziness of that little nylon home that we had for the night, it felt like the most amazing place in the world. I mean, just minutes before I had been out in the dark, alone, unsure of where I was or where I should go. Compared to that, our little tent felt like the safest place in the world, like a real refuge. 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 That's something that a whole lot of the world is looking for right now. We're all interested in a place where we can be safe, where we can feel secure. We're asking ourselves all these new questions, right? Like, how can I keep from getting the coronavirus? How can I make sure going to the grocery store is safe? Is it okay for me to go to work? Can I go to the doctor's office? How can I make sure that I'm protected and secure? How can I stay safe? Now, hopefully your home is a wonderful place of refuge, someplace you can feel sheltered and secure, but we know that that's not true for everyone in the world. For too many, it's not the case. Home, instead, is a place of fear or danger, a place with tense relationships or worse, abusive ones. Home is a place where people are fighting or maybe just up in each other's space day in and day out, hour after hour. And also, unless we work really hard to shut it out, the news invades our homes, doesn't it? Perhaps even every hour of the day if we let it. 
The news is always there reminding us how the world is struggling, reminding us of political tensions that are flaring, reminding us of hospitals that are struggling, a lack of face masks, so many ill and dying as we watch those numbers go up and up. It wears on us, and we long to feel safe. Now, we know that the load and the danger are not shared equally among us, but we are in this unique moment where the whole world is seeking refuge of some kind. We're all looking for protection and security and a way to know that we are going to be okay. Well, guess what? As unique as this moment is for us, it's not unique to the human experience. People have longed for and sought refuge during times of trouble for as long as there have been people. And the Bible, knowing full well how deeply people need and look for refuge, offers us one clear and certain place to get it, and that is from the grace of God. And today we're starting a new sermon series, Words to the Wise. In the next several weeks, we're going to be exploring together words and ideas and promises that come to us directly from the scriptures that have something particular to say to us right now as we're living through this global pandemic. I hope it's going to bring insight into your life today and it's going to help as we all live together through these next weeks of social distancing and whatever it is that comes next. Refuge. Obviously, that's the word for today. And in the NRSV translation of the Bible, that word refuge appears 110 times in the scriptures. So it's not an occasional concept for the writers of the Bible. They thought about it a lot. And they had plenty of reason to want to find refuge. It was pretty regular for them to experience some kind of extreme danger. Think about the kind of things that beset people in the ancient world. Enemy armies coming through all the time. Despotic rulers, wild animals, criminals, bad weather, famine, illness, and yes, even pandemics. Though they were probably more likely to call them plagues or pestilence, but same thing. In a world filled with all of those dangers and threats, the Bible tells us that our one sure and certain hope is to find refuge in God. Now, in the Psalms alone, we can find 50 different times that we are told God is our refuge. But nowhere do we hear it more clearly than in Scripture that Denny read for us today, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, the psalmist says, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumults. God is our refuge and strength. The scripture proclaims that ultimately we find our safety, our security in God, that nothing on earth can be more powerful than the power of God Almighty. Now, this is a fundamental tenet of the Christian faith, that our God is powerful, all-powerful, more powerful than anything else in the world that we could ever experience. That's how powerful God is. I have to tell you truthfully, in the United Methodist Church, we sometimes do a kind of poor job about talking about the power and the might of God. We don't dwell very much on God's sovereignty or God's strength. We like to talk about God's grace. God's grace and God's love, and we do that so much that sometimes we forget to also talk about God's God's might and God's sovereignty. Now, those things don't cancel each other out at all. God is full of grace, and God is a mighty God, but God is more powerful than the roaring oceans, more powerful than the shaking earth, more powerful than anything. God's more powerful than viruses. God's more powerful than illness. 
Our God is a mighty God, powerful, strong, supreme. You know, that's actually the message that we celebrated just last week on Easter Sunday when we remembered together the story of the empty tomb. We remember that God is so powerful. God is even more powerful than death. It's not just Easter that reminds us of this. The very Bible actually begins telling us about God's power, God's power over the world because it tells us about how God created the world. Everything that we experience, everything here on the earth comes from the hand of God. This very world in which we live reminds us of God's power. All of our creeds in the church remind us of God's power, naming God as the creator, saying that God is infinite in wisdom and power. Friends, we are loved by a mighty God. Nothing is more powerful than God. It's important that we start with that when we turn to God for safety and protection. Remembering God's power and God's might is central to what it means to look to God for refuge. You know, it's rumored that the great hymn, A Mighty Fortress, uh, was based on Psalm 46. We're not sure it's true, but even if it's not, Martin Luther, who wrote that hymn, he certainly drew on those same images of God's unshakable strength and power when he wrote that hymn. Remember how it starts, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Now God's power, that's just one part of our calling God refuge. God is also our best refuge because God is always near, and God has been through all this before. Psalm 46 proclaims both of these things as well. In the NRSV translation that we read, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. But scholar Hans uh, Wersma notes that the, that the translators, they put a little footnote there in the text. If you would open up a Bible, you'd see it. And it's after the word very present that they put the footnote. And he says that the verse can also be read in Hebrew to say, God is our refuge and strength, a well-proved help in trouble. A well-proved help in trouble. So if you go with the very present translation, then what the psalmist is telling you is God is right there with you. You're never alone, just like Rebecca said in her children's sermon today, keeping you secure in a moment of trouble. If instead we go with the translation well-proved, God is well-proved, then we have the psalmist telling us that God is time-tested over and over again. God can be trusted to keep us secure in our time of trouble. Either way works. Perhaps it is that we need both. In all times and circumstances, we've got a God who's got us covered. God's so powerful. God's so present. God is so sure when we think about God as our refuge, though, it's important for us to ask this question. If God is so present and powerful and sure, does that mean that God is going to prevent all evil from coming to our door? If we call God our refuge, if we seek refuge in God, does that mean that God's going to remove all threats from our lives and all pain if we just have faith enough? Unfortunately, no. It's not quite as simple or transactional as that. It doesn't mean that if we pray hard enough, if we work hard enough, God is going to keep anything bad from happening to us. We might want the world to work that way. We might want faith to work that way, but it doesn't. 
We might want that if we would just pray hard enough, God would put us in some kind of impenetrable castle, put some kind of shield around us to prevent all suffering from our lives. But that's not the way God works. That's not what God has promised. Physical safety and freedom from suffering are not what God guarantees us when we look to God for refuge. Well, why not, Amy? You might be saying, that's what I need. (laughs) That's a really big question, and it's a big mystery. God doesn't seem to micromanage the world enough to prevent all suffering for those who love God. Now, I'm not saying that God never works miracles to protect us physically. I mean, I am not about to limit what God Almighty can do, okay? It's just not guaranteed. I'm telling you, it's not guaranteed. And when we encounter suffering, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. The Bible is clear on that. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the scripture reminds us that we can proclaim God is our refuge even when we aren't delivered from every suffering the world offers up. Because even in our moments of suffering, God is there with a different kind of refuge. A refuge for our spirits, a refuge for our hearts. Of course, God has promised us an eternal refuge of life everlasting, and that means that ultimately we have nothing to fear here on earth. Ultimately, our story will end with God, but God also promises refuge for our spirits here and now, a very present help for our hearts, even in moments of trouble today. So calling God our refuge. What that means is that we can stand in the middle of the storm and we can find calm. It means that we can feel panic rising in our throats and turn in our hearts back to God and ask for reassurance. It means that we can find ourselves weathering trouble with more poise and more hope than we ever thought possible. Finding God as our refuge means anchoring our spirits in the love of God who made us and asking God to hold us firm right there in that spot. Asking God to send us peace beyond even our understanding. Finding refuge in God means trusting that God hears and God understands our most anxious, our most grief-filled prayers, that God cares, that God's going to send blessing, that God's going to help get us through to the other side. Last night, I had a friend of mine tell me that she got a notification on Facebook that someone had liked, you know, clicked like, on a post of hers from five years ago. Just happened last night. Isn't that weird? Well, the post was about a colleague of mine, a wonderful, wonderful man named Mark, a friend of mine, a mentor to so many. And Mark died three and a half years ago. The person who clicked like on this post last night was one of Mark's sons, one of his sons. Now, I don't know just what happened, but this is what I suspect. That something yesterday evening triggered some memory of his dad, perhaps some grief. And it sent the son to Facebook to begin scrolling through his dad's page to be filled with memories of what his dad had posted and what other people had posted about him. And when the son got to the post from my friend that was about 18 months before his dad died, It touched him, what my friend had said about his dad, so much so that he moved his mouse over and he clicked like. To me, this is an example and a moment of God providing refuge. Now, God did not spare Mark's family and friends from the pain of his death. We might have wished that. Mark 
not being here is a loss to the world. But the grief that comes occasionally, even years later, when they miss their wonderful father, when we miss our wonderful friend, God didn't spare us from that either. But God still provides refuge for the spirit, for the heart. God gives the gift of memory and the gift of blessing, of support, of solidarity, of joy. All of those things were present in that one little like on Facebook. Memory and blessing and solidarity and encouragement and joy. I like to think that Mark's son left Facebook last night filled up with good memories of his dad and also a reminder of all the people that his father helped and mentored and loved in this world. And I like to think that that provided for him a little moment of refuge, a respite from his grief, a way to feel secure again in his dad's love and in God's love. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. If you're not sure that you believe it, let me tell you, the only way to find out is to try it, is to try it. To ask for God's presence and reassurance and peace in a moment of trouble. Test God, try God, and see if God won't provide refuge for you. Turn to the power and grace of our almighty God whenever you're feeling heartache or pain or worry. Over and over again through the centuries, people have found God to be trustworthy and true, worthy of being called a refuge and strength. I don't really expect God's going to change on that front here in the chaos of COVID-19. Now, my encouragement to you this week is to do that, of course, to seek out God for refuge. The only way we find our refuge in God is to pray and pray and pray, to ask God for the things that we need. So find a moment this week, find a moment, just one moment this week when you can have some concentrated prayer time. It might be that you have to go on a walk all by yourself, leave all the people in your house behind, take some time so that you can talk to God. And share with God the things that you're fearing. Ask God for shelter for your heart and for your soul. Ask God to keep you centered in these strange days and to keep you safe. The psalmist encourages us to do this very thing at the end of his verse. You heard it. He said, be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. May it be so. Amen.